Hello and welcome to our final part of our FrightFest 2022 coverage. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. We are back for the final part. This is it. Over so fast. I know. There's only uh, three movies more to discuss. Nine in the can, um, and it's been a very enjoyable festival so far. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. this was uh, sadly our last day on the Saturday. Um, but we did see uh, three very interesting movies that I'm looking forward to talking about. Um, which, yeah, kicking things off in that early morning slot, much like the day before where we saw a sort of a, a very fascinating indie uh, science fiction movie. We had something very similar um, with Something in the Dirt. Um which, Ooh, yeah. which uh, this one's a UK premiere, but again, it was something mm-hmm. like they'd barely had like a, a screening before this that was like a digital only thing. Um, yeah. So this is easily again. There's a few big names, and there's obviously the biggest name to t- still to come in this show. Um, but obviously, this being the, the co-directors of Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who are becoming really well known in the science fiction genre, in my opinion, and, and I've enjoyed mm-hmm. everything they've done um, so far up to this point um synchronic i absolutely loved um i desperately need to see the endless because i still haven't seen that um their twilight zone episode was incredible um and yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's no shock that kind of marvel have got them on tap now i know they're already involved in moon knight and i think they're involved in i think it's loki season two or something else down the pipeline right yeah one of them um, Mm-hmm. but um and they were there as well in person which i didn't expect at all so it kind of shows you that they were they were they really treated this didn't they like the proper true premiere and they were they loved how yeah. big this screen was for their movie <laughs> <laughs> well and you can tell why once you've seen the movie as well yeah yeah for um, sure uh, but yeah, and this, yeah this is a u.s production as well um but yeah what is what is this one about something in the dirt An extremely interesting movie i thought <laughs> <laughs> what is this movie about? Uh, just about losing your mind, basically. Chaos. Yeah. chaos when uh, basically these, I was going to say like um, in uh, basically in the midst of lockdown, but the, in the movie, this movie was clearly filmed during lockdown, yeah. but, but our characters aren't actually in lockdown. <laughs> They're living a normal life. <laughs> so they just decide to, trap themselves in this room where basically yeah our two main characters played by uh the aforementioned justin benson and aaron moorhead uh john and levi who are these two kind of neighbors that kind of you know got pally very quick and witnessed this supernatural event in um in their apartment building where basically um it's like a crystal stroke ashtray (laughs) that just begins to um float without any you know without any kind of reason behind it it just kind of starts to float and it, it kind of spins around on the spot a bit kind of very ufo like and then just drops um in front you know right before the two of their eyes and um the rest of the movie is basically those two trying to document and study this phenomena um you know they really do go Mulder and scully with it where they they just uh sit there they they set up multiple cameras for some unknown reasons some make sense um it's chaos basically and the two of them just slowly get more and more insane as they go down the rabbit hole of trying to figure this shit out um they basically decide early on that they um 
they're like right okay this this stuff's happening this 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 crystal is it floats the one time but then it seems to happen when the two of them are in the room together um quite frequently so they're able to kind of see it and document it quite often and quite frequently and so they're like right what are we gonna do <clears throat> do we just film it do we then put that on youtube do we do we do what you know how do we monetize this and they're like oh okay the best way to monetize it is if we make a documentary about it and that's why they're kind of this whole movie is is the kind of documentary coming into fruition and it's not necessarily a documentary about the phenomenon as it is a documentary about the two of them just losing their fucking minds um which i think you know the, the lines blur so much between our you know when does john and levi end and justin and aaron begin in this movie is is the real question for me <laughs> and, I, and i don't and i don't think there's an answer um, i think they just you know they they lost their minds in lockdown making this movie uh, as did the characters and it, it it turned into a really you know it, it was just it was fun it was just you know seeing these two incredibly talented people doing something you know that that's incredibly low budget but was just incredibly personal and and fun um in the midst of this crazy pandemic and and yeah obviously our characters like i say this isn't a pandemic movie other than the fact it was made during the pandemic so it just it, it, you know it, it clearly like i say lines between reality and this and the fiction of this movie uh is is very blurred mm. um and yeah i think you know it 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 worked for me on a level where you know the opener again we talk about slots and everything else and i think cause this is a long last movie like and again like it it probably is too long but for me i wasn't really i was in it like i was just enjoying like I, i'm like these two clearly have an eight hour cut of this movie and i i'd probably watch it <laughs> like just because i enjoy seeing them two just talk and interact with each other you know i enjoyed them talking beforehand before the movie we we stuck around afterwards for this one didn't we and like you know and i think kind of this one is, you know, I, I like these two a lot. And I think kind of this, this just being a very intimate project, it, it spoke to me and, and yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I absolutely loved this film. I thought it just worked on every level. I think that it wasn't what I was expecting, um, especially after kind of mm -hmm. Synchronic, being this bigger budget thing with like, you know, huge name actors in it and all that stuff. But I think this just stripping it down and obviously hearing their intro of like, oh yeah, we were just stuck inside and wanted to make something with like literally no money. Um, but they didn't make a movie about being stuck in lockdown, which I think a lot of people reverted to. They, they found mm. such an interesting concept of like, no, this is just going to be about two dudes losing their minds, going so deep down this rabbit hole. Um, and you really don't know like what to believe, like what is actually an illusion? What is complete bullshit throughout this entire film? And it just worked so well for me. This is so my cup of tea. Um, and especially talking about, like we see a lot of like ultra low budget indie stuff like you know as we've been discussing for fright fest but we also see a lot just in general for the podcast and i think you really start to get an eye over time of like when someone is ridiculously talented i think we see a lot of people that are really 
you know as we've said with other movies already like oh yeah this is really competently made this is really good um and i think there's plenty of people out there that put their heart and soul into it and they can make really good stuff but this just exudes a level of confidence um and just charisma and everything where i'm like these guys could do anything um they really are in that category that's like annoying how talented they are um because to be able to carry a movie from an acting perspective is already ridiculous let alone from a, everything else behind the camera as well um it really just boggles the mind where i'm like man you guys could just do one of these things well and make a career out of it let alone doing all of them incredibly well um and it's no surprise why kind of marvel have already got these guys tapped i would love to see them do more big budget sci-fi you know there's so many amazing science fiction projects out there that i'd love to see them get attached to or just original stuff because everything they've done is so original um but yeah i love this and like i say this is almost two hours long and i wanted it to be longer i think it was a movie that is purely about the journey that was never going to have this kind of super satisfying ending the movie doesn't really have an ending i was just kind of like i was so invested in it and then at a certain point i was like oh shit the credits are on i guess it's over um and that's not your traditional movie going experience with like the free act structure and all that stuff this was just this weird thing that, that did feel so genuine this, this movie is just a start and a middle yeah very and like it's funny because you talked about how where does the line kind of end and i feel like this is just so well crafted that they make you think that like they make you think yeah. that they were losing their minds in lockdown but actually this is just so well crafted and they knew exactly what they were doing and yeah this i love this movie this is one that i'll definitely be picking up in the future i hope it gets some sort of decent release because it's just wild and yeah i want to see if there's more footage out there and i would love to see like behind the scenes stuff and everything um it's so familiar to you know that it's such a random kind of comparison but it is so so similar to kind of bo burnham's inside yeah. that's on netflix yeah. the comedy special where where like you said you know it is a case of did he lose his mind or is he just a genius that's playing into what the world was going through mm. and i think it's wrong with these two and you know it is that you know these incredibly you know intelligent people that can make this this simplistic idea work and i think um like you said you know the fact that it is you know this movie is basically the two of them and they they spoke about it beforehand where they because it was in the midst of lockdown they got like drones to drop off equipment (laughs) and had like you know the odd kind of person involved but it's mostly them behind the camera you know, writing, you know, acting, filming, just everything. And I think, like, yeah, it, it does kind of piss you off that, that people can be that talented. It's just like, be be good at one of those things and you can make a career. Definitely. Like, like leave leave some talent for the rest of, the rest of us yeah. beyond that. But, yeah, it, it was great. It really is. Like, um, another thing as well that they do so clever, and again, and the next movie actually did something similar, which we'll get into, but, like, there's so many different clever techniques you can use to cover up a lack of budget and i feel like Mm. something like this for example there's a lot of pickup shots and there's a lot of like random cutaways because of the documentary style that is i'm sure a combination of like some stock stuff and some stuff that they specifically shot and i think the way they use that and especially for comedy as well like a lot of times they'll just be talking about something ridiculous and then you'll get an image of said ridiculous thing on screen um which Mm. just kind of 
melds so well with like here's what's in their mind now we're going to visualize that to you and and it's done through a punchline a lot of the times and it works really well but it also just fills in those gaps of like this didn't just feel like oh it's just two guys talking in an apartment for two hours because it they made it feel bigger um because of just how clever they are with the scope of things um but yeah such such a cool movie this was um but yeah moving on to a, a extremely interesting movie in fact um which is a Ooh. movie called lola um which was this was the english premiere apparently um and yeah, yeah it says it's a uk movie this is was it irish i believe um um yeah that makes sense i think so like, um, yeah um i think i think it is um but yeah this is a very interesting one i mean this movie is what what was it shot on i can't um, remember no but it, it was basically, you know, shot to look like it was filmed in the 40s, yeah. basically, um, 30s slash 40s. Um, so it's, um, you know, very much like it was film reels discovered. Um, so we get a little splash card at the beginning that basically says that where basically these film reels were discovered in Suffolk or something. And, and here's the footage. And basically it's it's in England and it's. 1941 and these two sisters have basically created a machine called lola that can intercept uh broadcasts from the future so that's you know television broadcasts and and the movie starts with them intercepting um uh, uh music videos and and perform and p- performances of songs and kind of from the future um and you know david bowie is kind of is, is bowie the first one they tune into yeah he's one of the I mean, main ones kind of yeah. The seminal one yeah um and basically they are using it for their um enjoyment to begin with to kind of get this glimpse of the future and kind of see what it's like and see what the world's like and this pop culture and everything else then they and and with this as well, they it is very much Back to the Future esque, where they can kind of turn the dial and be like, "Let's listen to some music for next year," or "Let's go to the eighties, even though we're in the forties." You know, they kind of can jump quite a bit, and so they quite early on kind of use it to uh, bet on future events, so they can kind of tune into sporting and horse racing or whatever, and then kind of bet on it to make a load of money, and they get make themselves quite wealthy. Um, but then, obviously, we find ourselves in 1941, and they start to tune into some future broadcasts where we fall deep into the um, middle of World War Two and kind of the chaos and the, the bloodshed and the kind of just just horrible loss of human lives that they're kind of tuning into. And our characters are like, "Well, shit!" Like we know this is happening tomorrow. Let's do something about it. Let's warn people of these air raids that are going to happen. And they inevitably kind of tangle themselves and they, they, they start to step in and become part of the war crusade with their time machine. They can then kind of, you know, look to preempt these attacks and stop them being as horrific as they, you know, could be on the screen that they're seeing. And, um, yeah, we, we start to find out what the consequences are mm. because, you know, you fuck with time. There's going to be consequences, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, for me, um, much like the last movie, I absolutely love this film. I thought it was one that when I read the synopsis, I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. You know, I already love time travel mm-hmm. stuff. I, I thought anything to do with like the war and oh, you're trying to change, you know, outcomes and stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm already into this. But I really didn't expect to just fully become enamored with the setting. Um, yeah. We've talked recently about believability, and and it's one of the main reasons why a lot of the time I think we both think we don't like stuff set in certain periods because we're like because because mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel real. Yeah, because when you nail it, I think it can really just up everything. And from this the moment this movie started, I fully believed I was watching footage from the forties. And I think the fact that they do use real life footage, but they also do such a good job of with the grainy footage and the use of black and white, which is so good to just really at no point was i like oh this is this is ridiculous and and the way they acted the way the the performances were and everything just felt so in line with what would actually be happening then so they immediately got me the first tick of like right is it authentic tick then it's like okay is this interesting and it was super interesting like i love the early stuff of just the sisters kind of having fun using the machine you know the use of music and the betting and all that stuff was great but then when the movie really does transition into what it's going to be about and it's the war stuff it was still equal is fascinating and obviously i don't want to remotely get into kind of what happens based upon that stuff but it was all so interesting and for a movie that was like under 80 minutes long this was by far the shortest movie that we saw again this is like a masterclass in in knowing your runtime because there's no filler in this movie um it's got such a good pace to it there's times when they when they draw out scenes but then a lot of times you're just smash cutting through stuff very quickly days weeks months um and different kind of time traveling adventures in such a quick period of time um but i thought they just nailed everything and this was so unique like i've really not ever seen a film like this um and and it's almost like i just give so much props to everyone who made it because i'm like this is clearly just someone who had a vision and they just wanted to make the film because i'm like how do you even go about selling a film like this like who's gonna buy it do you put this out in cinemas is this a netflix movie like i try and think to myself where would a movie like this end up and i'm like i have no clue where who do you what even audience do you push this to but i'm so glad it got shown at fright fest because i had an amazing time with it um the only other one thing I wanted to mention was um, anytime anything gives me Bioshock Infinite vibes, I'm always going to love it. And <laughs> I, I never know whether it's intentional or not because I know everything kind of is inspired by everything. Well, it's like me. I just spoke about Terminator. Yeah. I see Terminator and everything. It's like, do you just see Bioshock and everything I or has Bioshock <laughs> just just bled into yeah. like I, I don't know either because the thing is Bioshock was inspired by a bunch of novels of course and so it, it you know it's pulled its own inspiration from things but then yeah you look at the amount of things that is inspired by it, and this is for people that will know this is very much feels like the 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 Lutest twins in Bioshock Infinite and the way they use tears to see the future it, or different realities in that case especially the use of music was like I was like holy shit this is the live action Bioshock Infinite in the same way you know moments of um, Nightmare Alley and Shape of Water reminded me of the, the exact same kind of color palette and style of Bioshock um so yeah that stuff vibed with me as well but this was I, I really want to see this movie again, and I, I don't know when on earth this is going to get available. Like, I'm sure at a certain point I'll forget about it, and then it will just have been on demand for ages, because who knows what how you even promote a movie like this. But it was so goddamn interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was It was great. Like, like you said, I think this... 
this spoke to me on so many levels, you know, a really well-made time travel movie. And then right now, like, I found myself fascinated with, with World War Two recently to the point that, like, I've been watching the Netflix documentaries about them that are just like the Netflix documentaries, <laughs> but they're, but they're, you know, they, they give me the information that what I want about the war. And I think like this was, was that, but then with this sci-fi spin on it that then goes, you know, goes places. And it was just really fun. I think kind of, um, as you said, like the authenticity of it, where how this was shot and the way that it's portrayed on screen gave them, gave the filmmakers so much freedom to splice in, real footage versus their own footage and it, and and the lines you know we spoke about that in the previous movie but again with this one the lines were so blurred where i'm like oh we've got some cool archival footage and then suddenly our characters are there i'm like whoa hang on what <laughs> you know and it was like you know those those parts of it made it very enjoyable and i think um you know as we start to get into them with the war you know as you already said beforehand like them just having lola and playing with lola was was fun already and then when the war came into it and their involvement and everything else it just it just got better and better and better and um yeah i i I thoroughly enjoyed it i think kind of you know when the when the director kind of um was it andrew leg kind of spoke about it um you know he clearly had such a passion and a vision and he's clearly like uh so meticulous Mm. And such a kind of, you know, he he has a vision, and he he is unyielding in in uh, delivering that vision. You know, he he will not make any concessions on anything, and and being that relentless kind of, you know, worked for this movie. And I think kind of um, it it really you know bled into it. You know, when he spoke about how he was just trolling through like archival footage to find the exact footage that he wanted that then he could manipulate to bring into his film it's like jesus christ mm. that's like a whole other level of filmmaking yeah. that's like <laughs> you know you you've you've gone full robert eggers on this <laughs> like yeah. i think even i think even eggers would be like i tip my hat to you <laughs> <laughs> like, like you've done it you've 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 gone full eggers <laughs> yeah and that to me is like the heart and soul of indie filmmaking of just knowing yeah. like yeah. This is what you have, and so I think it's such a genius move. Like you have all this archival footage, which is amazing, which is public domain, so you can just use it freely. And I think the biggest win of this movie is um, splicing those two in in a a poorer version of this movie. It would feel so obvious when it's archival. Yeah, it would feel cheesy. It would completely take you out of it. You wouldn't believe in the fan footage element, all that stuff. Whereas, like you say, there is, I don't know at a certain point where, like, what was being used, like, especially as we get more into the war and and they're starting to actually change stuff from what happened in our version of the war it's like mm. man that look that shit looks so good like this is such yeah. an impressive movie and it looked amazing oh, on the big screen as well this is one that like as we're talking about it i i just really want to see it again mm. like it's one where i'm like because it's one that i'm most worried about like when we yeah, when we talk about the next movie, I'm like, oh, we're we're gonna get to see that again at some point pretty soon. Yeah, and like the opener, 
I'm like, oh, okay, that that we'll get to see that at some point. But Lola, I'm like, <laughs> this may never exist. Yeah, like again, like it might be. That might be it. Yeah, I hope he has it out there. I hope this wasn't just like on one USB stick that might get lost. Because yeah, this movie is it's some, it's just it was on some reels, mate. He found them in Suffolk. It really, like, it really <laughs> did. Like the more I think about the found footage element of it, I'm like, man, this is truly one of the better found footage things I've seen because it really did feel that way. I, the, the, the term found footage gets used so much, but it never actually feels like footage that was found. Whereas I, I was going to say with this, did. yeah, like this is just basically like at the start of the film, they're like, Oh yeah, we found this crazy shit. Mm. Here we go. Yeah. And like, then you start watching it and you're like, did someone just find a load of crazy <laughs> shit? Like is, is Lola real? Yeah. <laughs> it's so good My, this movie was yeah. awesome um <laughs> but yeah mo- moving on after two in fantastic movies we kind of had the uh the big one for us the co- sort of main mm. event really um and i think for a lot of people um certainly over the weekend because uh, yeah this was dark glasses which is of course uh from the legend that is dario agento um who was in attendance at the festival as well um and yeah this was the uk premiere of this one um i think it might have just had a premiere in italy beforehand um sounds right and yeah he was there in all of his glory he gave a sort of um very long intro and outro for this movie which i was really thankful Mm -hmm. for because he you know, I'm I'm not remotely familiar with Argento. I'll, I'll admit it. Um, especially when you talk about like a lot of the big names of horror, he is by far my biggest omission. Um, like up until last year, it was always Cronenberg and Argento for me. And I feel like with obviously I watched like six of Cronenberg's movies last year. I still need to see more of them, but I feel a, a lot more in in tune with him now as a director, and I'm now a huge fan of his. Whereas Argento, like I've I've known about Deep Red as Suspiria and and all of these films for so long, and I've never sought them out um and i've never known like whether i like jallo or not and it's funny because obviously last night in soho is so heavily inspired by jallo movies and so i feel Mm. like it's come full circle now where i should check out a lot (laughs) of his classics um but even as someone who's not massively familiar with his movie this was like surreal seeing like a true horror legend in front of us and i i felt privileged i don't know about you but i was like i'm so glad we get to see this guy because you don't know how long he's going to be around for especially making movies and like he's been making movies for so long it was just how cool was it just to see argento first and foremost before we get into the movie yeah i think that's the thing like the guy is what 82 like and um oh he's about to turn 82 um and 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 yeah like you know you just don't know how long you, you you're gonna be able to see him let alone the fact that he's making you know these still making movies at that age mm. which i just i just love so much yeah like the guy the guy doesn't need to make movies anymore no. um his legacy as as one of the true greats is is cemented you know he, he can just attend fright fest and just just do a sign in he doesn't need to have a movie there mm. um so i love it so much that he he is still making movies and i just want him to to keep making movies for him because he clearly loves making movies more than anything mm. um and yeah, it, it was such a treat to see him. You know, I'm I'm similar where I've seen Deep Bread in Suspiria, but um, you know, I haven't seen um, Tenebrae or, or you know some of his other newer stuff. Like, um, you know, so so yeah, I definitely have got got gaps in there that, and I and having seen this movie, I'm now like, oh, I just and it's seeing him mm. more than this movie, really. Just seeing him, I'm like, oh man, like 
you know, we're, we're doing a whole retrospective on Wes Craven right now where, you know, we, we just can't see that, you know, we, we, we never got the chance to see him. Mm. And it's like, to see someone like Argento, it is great. And, and, and yeah, like it, it was, it was a real treat for Fright Fest. Uh, let alone the fact that then we get to see dark glasses. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I um, think we've said everything else. Obviously, this is a, mm. an Italian production. So this is a, a full subtitle mm-hmm. movie. Um, yep. But yeah, what, what is this one about? Yeah, so this is set in Rome as well, uh, where basically a serial killer is um, kind of uh, targeting uh, high-class sex workers is what we have in the, uh, in the Fright Fest notes. So um, we'll go with that. And um, basically, um, he takes out kind of three um, other kind of uh, sex workers until we meet our kind of lead, uh, Diana, who's kind of next on his list. And she um, survives his attack, but his attack leaves her blind, uh, completely blind. Um, And hence the name Dark Glasses, where now she is kind of living her life trying to kind of you know relearn how to live her life basically as being fully blinded and kind of um i mean i've kind of skirting around a little bit here but i mean it's in the notes for fright fest so i'm going to talk about what's in the notes on here do you think that's pretty safe yeah i would say so yeah so basically in in her being attacked um it, it is actually a, a a car chase and our our killer is in a white van and he causes diana to crash into another car um which is a chinese family which uh it kills the mum and dad pretty much outright um oh no sorry it kills the dad puts the mum in a coma and the the son is left kind of parentless right now while his mum's in a coma Mm. and kind of this movie is about kind of diana not only being blinded but living with the fact that she's left this boy parentless and kind of he's he's in a home right now and she's trying to kind of find a way to reconcile well not even reconcile because she doesn't know him but find a way to appease make right you know make peace with what she did and kind of do right by by this boy at the same time trying to figure out you know how to live her life blinded um oh yeah and by the way (laughs) there's still a serial killer on the loose and he might have your name uh top on his list as well because you know you're the one that got away Mm. so so yeah fun times eh yeah that is pretty much the setup um so so yeah um and yeah i i I had a lot of fun with this movie i think kind of the opening of it just felt so you know again I don't want to, you know, I've, I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but I've seen a couple of them. But they, you know, what I have seen, they have a very distinct feeling to them. And this feels very similar to Deep Red and, and, and that kind of, you know, he's clearly um, passionate about locations. So, you know, more than, more than you know, anything really where he kind of the, the location has a story and and you know this movie this movie being set in rome you know we get these shots at the start of the movie that are just different parts of rome and kind of just feels you know authentically argento which it should it's made by him but you know these these filmmakers don't always you know continue to deliver mm. especially into the 80s yeah you know it gets to a point where it's like oh he, you know 
maybe you should stop. But like this movie starts and I'm like, man, like this feels like he made it in the seventies. Like other than the fact that um, it is a modern setting. And obviously it's quite funny as well that obviously this movie was uh, wrote years ago and was kind of shelved and then kind of Argento has picked it up recently and kind of modernized it and then, you know, made it in, in incredibly speedy fashion. I mean, he, he ain't got time to waste. He's, you know, he's like, I'm not messing around. Like I'm going to get this movie made, finished and out there. Like, let's go. Yeah. And I, I respect that as well. Um, but yeah, I had a really good time. And I think the opening, you know, the, 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 the kind of serial killer kind of hunt in the first couple of victims is very violent, very, you know, very similar to, to, like I say, that, that feel of Argento that he never wants, he never cuts away, you know, he, he puts it there right in your face. And, um, you know, that, that was really, you know, that was really good. And uh, in, in, a, in a macabre way, and especially when you kind of, you know, when we've been at this Fright Fest, one of the things we've spoken about is we've had a great time. We've saw a lot of movies that we liked, but certainly the true horror movies were lacking. Mm. Um, you know, there were a lot of, sci-fis and and everything else but like this this really did start violent and and it definitely in the middle becomes more of a drama and more of a you know of diana finding her feet and and you know coming to terms with what she did and coming to terms of being blind but there's always this under you know this you know this this looming pending doom you know you know the serial killers out there um and I think one of the biggest things is that this movie never went the way I thought it would. I think, you know, there were multiple points where I was like, oh, okay, here we go, right. These are the dominoes that are going to fall down to get me to the finale of the movie. And then the movie just goes left. And I'm like, oh, what the hell are you doing now? And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, you've gone this way. This is what the movie's going to do to the end. And then it takes off right. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and like, it just always kept me guessing. And, and that was, and it, but, but in an enjoyable way. You know, I think we talk about a lot where a movie takes a left turn and we end up wanting the movie that we thought we were going to go see as opposed to the movie we were given. And I don't feel that with this. I, every time he took that left turn, I just quickly uh re-navigated and and had a good time and 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 yeah i, I think that's a massive positive and and yeah i i had a, uh, really enjoyed this one and um i think you know to 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 make this movie when you're 82 is just just madness yeah absolutely madness. yeah it really is i i pretty much agree with what you said really i think this definitely felt like the truest horror film that we saw at fright fest um which i think is really cool that argento is the one that delivered us that as well um and it was obviously the last film we saw um yeah. i feel like the, the yeah we saw so many great films but just the overall um festival had a very much like a definitely indie and comedy focus which I, um or sci-fi and comedy focus which you know i like both those genres as well especially mixed it mixed them together um but this was just like no this is unequivocally a horror movie it's got a horror movie setup of a serial killer killing sex workers um it does feel like this throwback but made modern um 
yeah it, it really made me want to go watch all of his other movies now because that's how much i enjoyed mm. this one and i think like what you said kind of with these directors that have been around for so long we, we, we've even covered ones for the show but like there's so many people that just lose it they they lose that touch and they lose that eye and i don't know what it is whether it's motivation and whether they're just doing it for the sake of it but he genuinely feels like someone that just wants to continue to make horror films and i think it shows because of the fact that it's actually still good like if he was still out here and people were like oh god agenda's made another movie i best we better go see it like but that's not the feeling i got from this or it was like no he's still doing the shit and if you're into his style you'll still vibe with this movie so that's why as someone who isn't familiar with this stuff, I do want to now go back because I really like this. I like the style of the the actual horror sequences. It is an extremely stylish movie. Um, mm. I also liked that this had just an overall like strange feel to it, um, which you sometimes do get in in kind of films made from in different countries and, and in different languages because typically you know a vast majority of movies that we see are american produced and then we'll see like british stuff and that whereas i feel like this did just have like a weird flavor to it there's certain scenes that i'm just like oh that was an interesting scene but what was even the point of that and i feel like it is just because you get this different style of filmmaking from different countries um so yeah i and, and yeah the actual scenes of horror are all really well done and some of the best we had and and like what you said this movie kind of once we get the actual setup that we've discussed like the second half of this movie i never knew what was going to happen and i think in in such a good way that it made me feel lost in the runtime where typically what's happening on screen you can kind of line up in your head and think okay based upon yeah, like, where oh, 20 minutes left yeah you can kind of do that but especially when you watch a lot of movies and when you've seen a lot of movies in a short period of time like there's certain movies where i could tell like okay like even someone like eating miss, Cam- miss campbell that i really enjoyed we knew what the finale was going to be because they set it up in the first act so well so it was like until we got to the the eat all you can eat massacre it kind of you knew how long was left in the movie whereas this was like no based upon the premise and kind of the group of characters that we're now at i don't know where this is going and i was like is there five minutes left or is there 30 minutes left i really didn't know and it i hope there's 30 and most of the time it did and it it just it kept me tense throughout i found it to be super satisfying at the end as well um shout out to some really awesome dog choreography which i'm always a big fan of um especially in horror it it was just so so well done easily some of the best horror we saw all weekend um yeah i had an absolute blast with this movie I, i didn't know going in what to expect i was very much excited for the agento of it all and just like the level of hype and excitement that was at the festival for agento you know this was one of the few screenings that we saw at the main screen outside of the first day that was like completely packed to see argento and but the actual movie delivered for me I, and i'm glad it, you know it's coming to shudder in, in like a month i think and i'm I, yeah i want to watch this again it was really really enjoyable horror film for sure um but yeah kind of it it was i mean this last day was fantastic like obviously it really was and i think you know with i was just gonna say with Mm. with argento as well like the you know you just touched upon it there the the work with the dog was fantastic and um who knew that argento was gonna make a remake of hills of ice part two (laughs) yeah um we we can't say any more than that unfortunately people <laughs> might, may or may not get that reference once they've seen the film <laughs> let us know in a month oh, or so. it was a great 
It was a great, it was a great day though, were not it? It really was. Like this was an incredibly diverse day, first and foremost. Like all three of the movies were so different, but were all brilliant. And it easily one of my favourite days ever at Fright Fest. Probably the best singular day experience I think I've had at Fright Fest. Um, because it was just Ooh. these two, three completely different flavoured movies that I'm all gonna want to watch again and enjoy again in the future. Um, but I guess kind of overall now, like thoughts on the the actual festival and, and obviously the twelve movies that we saw before we um go into our own sort of top three um wh- wh- what did you think about it overall as kind of the the 12 that we saw um the, the kind of level of quality and then obviously compared to the uh, the previous fright fest because we've, we've been to quite a lot at this point mm, yeah i mean i think it was incredibly strong um yeah for what we got to see you know of the of the 12 movies i've um you know uh, we're going to come on to a top three and i've literally s- you know, as we've been talking, I've tried to formulate what those are in my head. Mm. And I'm like, there's six. Yeah. <laughs> there's six that I really like. Yeah. There's there's six that I really like. There's two or three that were good, but, you know, not, not going to be my top three. And then there's a couple that I didn't like, mm. you know. And, and I, I think that's probably the strongest year yeah. for, for that level where I'm like, yeah, man, there, there are six really good movies that I think people should see for sure. Um and I'm trying to figure out what the top three is. And I think the top three could be interchangeable. Before we started talking, I thought I knew what my top three was. And as we've been talking, I'm like, well, shit. There's now two that I think need to go in there. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. So, so yeah, like, it, I think that's why. Like, it certainly, um, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to compare it to other years when we've had, like, these these experiences that we've, really championed and i'm like yeah i think i think the difference is is that i think this is the strongest year for fright fest this is not the strongest year for horror movies mm. at fright fest i think that's the caveat that i'd say yeah the, the i'm looking at i'm looking at this sticks and i'm like one two yeah half of them aren't really horror movies but i'm like they're great genre movies and i think who the hell cares yeah you know but if you're gonna, you know, with with that, with Fright Fest and with horror, like we definitely have seen the other years where we've had stronger horror movies. Um, but yeah, I think this, I think this is probably our strongest Fright Fest in terms of just the movies we saw and the overall quality. Yeah, I would agree. I think that definitely the overall quality has never been this consistent. Um, we've been before where there have been a bad opening movie or there's been multiple movies that we quite frankly should have just walked out on um, and, and it was nowhere near that level. So I think that the overall bar was high. Um, and, and yeah, I agree with you that the only negative point is that we've seen some incredibly strong straight up horror movies in the past i think about horn i think about summer of 84 um that were unequivocally and life changer that were unequivocally yeah. super strong horror films let alone stuff like cold chucky as well and the more kind of mainstream things but more like the, the the under the radar indie stuff and we got amazing under the radar indie stuff this year but it wasn't horror really you know it was it was either straight up sci-fi or i don't know what the hell that was but it was awesome um yeah which is a which is yeah like as we kind of go more into the fright fright fest and this podcast i become less giving a shit about genre and more about just seeing great films and this this festival absolutely delivered great films um mostly great films um 
so yeah i have to give him props to that um for sure um but yeah as far as picking favorites i i I agree with you it's super super difficult to pick a top three normally it's like here's the one with a bullet and then here's a couple of other ones whereas i i feel like i couldn't even pick a favorite there's there's probably there's probably four in contention for my just personal number one anyway i know we don't Mm -hmm. we we number them anyway we just pick three um i almost i almost feel like i want to just pick different ones to you because i could this year so so do you know you're free at this point no um <laughs> should we do should we do one at a time <laughs> yeah let's do that and then and then we might get to because yeah <laughs> i i don't want to miss out on these movies and giving them the props mm. because there's so many good ones i mean i guess basically um i had i had next exit mm. on my list and i think that's the one that was uh, as soon as we saw it I was like, oh, this is one that's, this is, this is like, I think probably at the time it was definitely the one that had had affected me the most. Mm. Um, Like watching it and then coming out of it, like um, I was like, oh, I want to digest this movie and think about it more. I love the premise. I love the execution. So, so yeah, I think for, for, for one of my top three picks, I'll, I'll go for next exit. I mean, i have to agree like next exit was so phenomenal um and i think that it was easily the best character work and just emotional reaction it got from me all weekend um and in terms of as well if you kind of put aside fright fest and then you think about right let's take these movies out of this bubble and put them into how we'd normally talk about films on the show and then kind of rating them to other films we've seen this year and then if they're good enough comparing them to best of i feel like this has the strongest case in terms of like performances in terms of story and just all of that stuff so um it's going to make it even harder for us but yeah i have to put next next exit in my free as well um so yeah Um, yeah i think i think then it it gets so tough but i think um after just talking about it i think i would put dark glasses on my list Mm. um again it's um it's the the whole fright fest experience and and getting to see argento talk about his movie and movies before and after um and then getting to see the you know the, the uk premiere of an argento movie on the big screen it with the fright fest audience was awesome but then the fact that he can deliver at 82 years old um is just amazing and and yeah um so i think i'm going to put that on my three as well yeah dark glasses is phenomenal i i I don't know i it probably would have been in my top three now i'm thinking about you know trying to spread what can you squeeze in there now (laughs) i'm looking at four to go into two and i'm like four doesn't go into two um i'm gonna pick one that i feel like is probably the one that you would like the least out of all of the ones that might get in as logic um but i also loved it which was something in the dirt um because it is just the weirdest thing and it shouldn't work at all and this is the exact type of synopsis that when you read it you're like oh yeah two guys in a room that's a classic indie film we've seen a trillion of those and this is Mm -hmm. this is one of the best ones because the the level of acting the level of ingenuity with what they're doing and creativity but then also just i love 
the rabbit hole aspect of movies and and this is one of the better ones i've seen of like how deep does that rabbit hole go and my god if you've got unlimited time it's it never ends it's like we joked about it afterwards we were like this movie's still going on today i hope like i I feel it's step one of the arg and it's it's still going on and we're we're going to find out what that symbol means sooner or later um but yeah i I have to put a dvd extra of the text chat yeah. Where like there's just like two weeks go by and then one of them texts the other being like so i had an idea about the crystal <laughs> what about if it's like a shape that, that i've seen around town and like, dude this is great yeah let's go for it like i just want to see that that backwards and forwards like mm. that mind map coming into play yeah um but yeah i i appreciate you picking that uh so so that it frees up one for my list (laughs) um because because yeah i've basically now got three left and i don't know what the hell to pick i thought i'm uh, I'm interested because i only have two well basically i had i have three never mind which which i had the layer Mm. because i thought it was an incredibly i'm just going to cheat now and talk about (laughs) a chunk of movies but basically i had the layer where I thought that was going to be a banker, where it was a great opener. It was a great big production movie. It felt like a big movie instead of these little indie movies. And I thought, oh, that's a banker for my top three. Um, and, and if we'd have just done this cold, where if we'd have started with the top three, I think the layer would have been on there. Really? Uh, but as we've talked about the other movies, I'm like, oh, man, no, now I've thought about them and talked about them more. I'm like, the layer just isn't going to make the cut. Mm. Um and then it's a toss-up between Lola and Eaton Miss Campbell for me. And I think as we talked about it, I was like, fuck, Lola, man, was just so much fun. And so I think that will make my number three, mm. where I was just like, the the time travel, the way this movie looked, and just how they fucked with time and how they mess with the war and, and kind of the ramifications of that and the execution of those ramifications, I think was just... Um, I just wasn't expecting that for like this little indie movie. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was such a, uh, it's one where I'm like, Oh, I wanted to put eating Miss Campbell on there so much because of how much I enjoyed it. But as we spoke about Lola, I'm like, I've just, that, that needs to go on there for me. So I think that's my number three. Yeah. The, I, I mostly have the same where, where the only part I differ is that for me, the lair wouldn't be in that conversation, but the visitor from the future would be, um, because I right, thought okay. it was probably still the funniest movie that we saw of the weekend. Um, and I also think that for a low budget thing, it didn't feel low budget. Um, and it was a blast. So I really, I really yeah. liked that as well, but I definitely think that it wouldn't compare to the likes of eating Miss Campbell, Lola. And obviously I didn't have dark glasses either. So out of those three i really don't know um i feel like i am just gonna agree so then we're both the bad guy and not putting like the likes of uh, eating miss campbell in there because i'm gonna i have to put lola in there it's like yeah. one of the most unique films i've ever seen um and it's also like when, when i look at the movies that we saw i think about seeing indie movies and who am i going to go out of my way to make sure i track their careers going forward and lola yeah. is a movie that like this director, I just, I want to, I want to see what's in his brain next. You know, you, you evoked Robert Eggers and that's like the strongest, like 
good thing we can say about someone because it's once mm. a director gets on our radar, I want to just see what they what they what else they got in their in their locker. And he's and like people like Agento is like, oh yeah, it's a given. Um, and I feel that way about some of the other people as well. Like we obviously we already knew like Justin and Aaron, um, and a few of the other people, but like this really was such a special film to make on your debut that I can't even imagine if he even if he even got like a tiny bit of a fraction of a budget, what could he possibly make? Um, well, he's so much like uh, Robert Eggers from from just hearing him talk. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, you could your next five movies could be just things that I don't want to see. Mm. Where you could just be like, do you know what? I just got obsessed with ballet, <laughs> and he's like, I just made a four hour movie about <laughs> ballet shoes, and I'm like, cool, bro. I'd imagine it's really accurate, mm. but like, probably not for me. But like, if he's like, oh man. I got obsessed with home invasion movies. I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And and so, yeah, he he definitely is going to be someone that's on my radar, but God knows what craziness he's going to, you know, open up because yeah, I I feel like when he goes there, yeah, he, he, he can only give 110%. I think it's it's going to be someone that's very exciting. It's going to be like a British sort of, british viking era type thing <laughs> yeah yeah that's what he'll make um I, think, I hope so i hope so but yeah like you say i mean I, I don't think we've ever struggled with our top three as much and i think that alone shows you the quality of this that like it really is when you just stare at this list of 12 films I'm like man i saw like six or seven that i really really enjoyed and i was so glad i got to see them on the big screen and, and as part of this experience so yeah yeah even though we um only went for the three days and the more we go the more i want to finally do that five day um especially when there was you know multiple movies that we wished we'd seen like the the number one movie that i wished i'd seen was barbarian out of the hall festival um it's got a u.s release for early september but as of right now it doesn't have a uk release and i'm so worried we're going to get shafted with that one and so this was like i wonder if this was the one occasion that uk audiences got to see it on the big screen and we were so close to getting it but not um as well as like everyone seems to love it as well but i yeah i'm already looking forward to that one um but yeah it was yeah, i think that one and terrified 2 like i think for me the second terrified 2 got announced i was like oh shit yeah terrified 2 and we we knew we already had our hotels booked so we knew what days we were going to go mm. and when that got announced on the monday i was like oh no and like almost to the point where i'm like do we just travel back <laughs> like our seats are there empty like uh but it just you know and so yeah that one and barbarian you know both on the Monday as well, where I'm like, oh, and they they were they were sandwiched with a World War Two uh, film as well, so it could it could have been a banger. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, overall, what a great time it was at Fright Fest. Like, it, it was obviously our oh, first yeah. time being back physically since 2019 after doing obviously the digital only in 2020 um and skipping it all together last year and it 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 was awesome like it was exactly how i remembered um seeing great films having a great time just the overall i think quality of the of that bigger screen was way better um the actual screen itself but just the actual environment i already touched upon it but it was what i want from a cinema audience which is engaged in the films it's fine if you want to make noise if it's reacting to what's on screen but there was no unnecessary noise there wasn't people on the phones or chatting or eating or any of that garbage like you get at a typical cinema so for me that alone is worth the extra money of just oh there's people like me in this screening um, the occasional dog barking that scared the shit out of me a couple of times <laughs> yeah, was that what film was that was that something in the dirt i think so it was there multiple 
screens. Maybe it was, it was, maybe it was mobile screen glasses. Who knows? Maybe it was a famous it dog. It could have been. Yeah, I don't know whether it was a famous dog <laughs> or whether it was a guide dog, but there was a there was a dog in the screen that, that barked a few times. Yeah. And really, if there's, if there's one place that you don't expect to hear a dog bark really loudly, it's, it's physically in the cinema. Mm. Obviously, you might get it in the movie, but physically in the room with you, I just didn't expect to hear a big bark of an alzation. Yeah. It would look like an alzation. I think it was <laughs> I didn't even an see it. I just heard I it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. to be fair, I only did it like twice, so it was it wasn't that bad. Um, oh, it wasn't. Oh no, it was. It, it wasn't a problem. <laughs> it was. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's. You know, it was good to get an actual in-screen jump scare. Yeah. Uh, like I say, it was more when uh, once it did it. I think that was when I went into a screening just before you. Right. And just when I started to walk up the steps, it barked really loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I think that screen, as you said, was was um, well worth the upgrade. Um, you know, I definitely have the itch to go for the full days, for the full festival, but uh, um it's just the goddamn hotels are a nightmare. Yeah. If, um, but, uh, the actual, you know, even without going to the whole thing, just having that upgrade, it, the whole thing felt like a premium experience. And certainly it, it would be, it would be incredibly difficult to go back to the, uh, the other screen and the other, like I said, just, just the, the level of what you get. Like, I don't even know how much Argento was in the other screen, mm. for example, you know, I'm sure he must have gone in there, um, but there's there's just no way that he could have that you know energy to to go that long in 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 the two screens, and and that's with multiple ones of these, you mm. know, um, where being in that other screen, you just feel like you're getting you know crumbs, whereas whereas the main screen, it's the main screen for a reason. Yeah, I um, definitely felt that extra level of enthusiasm from all of the, yeah. the special guests of like because ultimately that is the premiere. Like the other one says it's yeah. the premiere, but it's I mean it's technically not. Like it's not. It's so twenty minutes, half an hour behind. Yeah. So it, so there was just and, and it's almost why we've always had that experience at the Prince Charles when it works well because that is that mm-hmm. one screening. Whereas yeah, it is this weird thing of like oh yeah we've got two screens, the other screen's nowhere near as good. It's it's for the way more casual audience who might just be in London and during bank holiday and want to see a film rather than the people that you know are paying all of this money to travel down with the hotels with the festival passes that really does feel like it is just the true fight fest experience um and it felt like long overdue so yeah i i would never go back without that at this point um but yeah good shit indeed like a fantastic festival um i can't wait for next year it was it was fantastic indeed any closing thoughts on the festival or is that are we done I think I think just to say that you know this this is our return post um, COVID and I feel like um, you know the, the the four guys spoke about it before that they they definitely that Fright Fest was there last year but but it truly felt like Fright Fest had returned this year and I think you know it it really did for me having not gone last year having had two years away obviously we had the digital one but but still two years away from the physical you know, really, really kind of felt like it has, it is still there. And I think, you know, it was a worry. I think after having a digital one and then the physical one last year, that just didn't feel fully back to normal. You know, this isn't something like cans that that will be able to recover. It's like, you know, there was question marks around it. Mm. And I think going this year, I'm like, oh no, it's back. Like it's good. And and I hope it continues to be good because yeah, this year was a blast. 
Yeah, for sure. Just an awesome, awesome experience. Um, but yeah, that is it for our Fright Fest coverage. Obviously, going forward, we're going to be back to our normal schedule. So hopefully you uh, guys have enjoyed these extra bumper shows this week. Um, and yeah, it, there's no slowing down. You may think, oh, it's Fright Fest. Now no, it's Ooh. just been down. Yeah, we'll be up. No, we have so much to talk about. There's about five horror movies at cinemas right now, which we're unfortunately not going to get to see all of them. But we'll see as many as we mm-hmm. can, let alone the amount of TV, let alone in October. Um, you know, spoiler alert for the news next week but we're seeing pinhead's return in october um and we got a whole other host of news to talk about next week as well so yeah there's are there any horror tv shows out in the next couple of months there's indeed there's there's quite a few there's the flanagan's oh, there's the uh del toro on on netflix as well um bit of child's play yeah, Chucky. Chucky, like there's there's so much and it's all great um so yes multiple american horror stories you know why not exactly loads, then, loads of good shit you know chuck in some lord of the rings and game of Good. thrones just yeah, those two as well like i i'm already i was already like i'm not watching lord of the rings but then now it's out i'm like i'm gonna have to fucking watch it um because just out of more yeah i, I, I already watched it the, like, the i won't two. talk about it now <laughs> yeah i definitely need to but not now's not the time but Jeez, like we'll, we'll talk about it I, I i was i was literally like i'm not gonna watch this and then and then everything i turned on for 24 hours had like I couldn't even go on Amazon to order something without having to watch five seconds of it. And I'm like, oh, all right, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right, guys, I'll fucking watch it. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that it was on Amazon of all places. Like, yeah, thank well, you. I know, but like, literally, <laughs> like stopping me buying stuff. Like my, you know, the Amazon app is where I want to just press two buttons and buy something. And I've never had it where it's like hard making you like watch something like even black friday isn't that aggressive no but like, they went hard on yeah, they've, this is the most expensive tv show for a reason like they're going to be yeah. pumping this hard um so yeah we've got so much to talk about so stay tuned but yeah that was our last part of our fright fest coverage uh, thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone I never could, how could I stop?